0: Greg Winteregg, CEO of the Private Dentist Alliance. I want to talk to all of you students out there today who are wondering what your future is going to be like as a career in dentistry, as an assistant, as a hygienist, as a dentist. Where is this profession going with the rapid increase of the DSO movement? I'm here to tell you the PDA is going to help you and I want you to become a member today. It is free. Now why should you become a member? You're gonna get weekly video updates from me and you're gonna get regular updates of our newsletters from the Alliance on exactly what is happening and how we are going to help preserve and protect the private practice of dentistry. Now to me, the most important advantage is you are going to get access to our job board. What is that? Our private practicing members all have access to our PDA job board which means if they have an opening in their private practice of assistant, hygienist, doctor, front office staff, they're going to be able to post it. And you're gonna be able to check up regularly. And as our membership grows, we're gonna be covering larger and larger territories across the United States. If you are looking for a job in any position in the office of a private practice, you need to become a student member today. It is free. Go to www.privatedental. Dot org and become a student member today you're going to love your benefits do it now
1: what is up guys it's your boy matt havis back it with the dental supervisors podcast today we have a really cool interview for you we have dr trent nison he is a private practicing dentist in minnesota he just recently bought his practice two months ago so he has a lot of good tips on you know the the whole application process to dental school, how you get in, the tips and tricks he used to propel him into dental school from a pre-dent. And um, he just talks about all things life as a dental student because he just recently lived it and he tries to make it as easy as possible for us. Afterwards, he did do an AGD when he graduated from dental school and he talks about the application process for that and what you can expect and what you can look to get out of your particular AEGD program or GPR depending on whatever you apply for. So we hope you guys really enjoyed this interview. We thought it was really cool and um, as always follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Give us a like, comment, review. Let us know what you guys think and um, in these trying
2: times stay safe and vibe on. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Student Vibes podcast. I am here today with Matthew Havis and the amazing Dr. Trent Niesen. Dr. Nisen, how are you doing today?
3: I am doing very well. Thank you for that that awesome intro.
2: (laughs) Right. So Dr. Nisen reached out to us and he wanted to share his story. He's got some great tips and tricks for all the students that are currently in dental school. Um, Very excited to hear what he has to say and hear about his story. But another thing that we're very interested in is that Dr. Nisen has recently purchased a practice and that's you know the direction that we're going we're looking forward to it and we'd love to hear what you have got to say Dr. Nisen. So Dr. Nisen how's uh how's your week been it's it's almost Thanksgiving um how, how's the week been going for you? No
3: it's been a, it's been a busy week um yeah as uh, as you guys are saying it's Thanksgiving week and we're recording this um you know I have been I'm in Minnesota and uh Currently, right now, we are battling a lot of COVID, a lot of cancels, so it's, you know, it's it's a lot of stuff to, to balance with that. I don't know how things are in, in Florida where, where you guys are, but, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely been a challenge that's presented, especially in my community specifically right now, but, uh, you know, we're doing the best we can. We're, we're taking the best precautions that we, uh, we can do. We had a busy, busy morning this morning and then uh, kind of taking a little extra time off to prepare for, well, mostly at-home holiday this year, but uh, just to kind of... Spend a little extra downtime and uh, come back recharged uh, after the holiday.
2: Definitely. So I know a lot of people have been saying that they've seen the best production numbers they've ever seen. Um, I guess could it be from emergencies? Who knows? You know. Um, But have you seen any sort of that, any anything like that in your practice? I know you just said that it's kind of taken a downturn.
3: I would say it's just, um, we just encountered a lot of challenges, a lot of last second, you know, day before calls, like, Hey, I was in contact with someone who was in contact with someone or, Hey, I got a fever or Hey, so it's, it's honestly, it's been, it's been some challenges, you know, we show up in the morning and kind of have a great schedule on the books. but Sometimes, you know, things kind of fall apart as far as, you know, record, you know, breaking stuff. I can't say I'm at that point, but, um, no, we've been, we've been doing pretty well. Um, um yeah we started uh, i I closed on the practice and we'll kind of go through a lot of this but i closed on the practice october 2nd so we are just finishing up well this be like i don't know maybe our eighth week of ownership and um yeah it's been it's been a journey it's been been some ups been some downs but um through and all all in all through and through i think uh first two months have have gone pretty well
1: awesome well i want to congratulate you that's a huge huge accomplishment Uh, i mean working all those years, undergrad, through
2: dental school to then finally be your own boss and have the practice and everything. That's really cool. So, all right, So, Dr. Nisen, let's bring it way back to when you were a pre-dental student. And can you give our listeners some tips and, and tell us about your journey into dental school and then take us through each year of dental school? What was that like for you?
3: Totally. Um, I can remember... Uh, so I went to undergrad. I'm from Minnesota. I went to undergrad in Fargo, North Dakota at North Coast State. And I can literally remember like the day, it was like my second year, like right before Christmas break, I remember sitting in the union and like reading through the prerequisites. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go for this dental thing. I'm going to, you know, I was intimidated by it. I think everyone kind of is, you know, when you first think of pursuing dentistry, you hear, oh, it's so hard to get into, or it's really competitive, or, you know, you got to have perfect grades and all that. And I, I still vividly remember the day looking at the prerequisites. It had been it had been on my mind for some time, and I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for this thing. And I remember that I remember making that decision vividly that day. Um, throughout the you know the undergrad process, um, you know probably just like a lot of your listeners, you 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 kind of got to check the boxes and do the things you got to do. You got to take care of take care of business in the classroom, especially with the science classes. Um, you know, obviously getting involved a lot with you know whether it be pre dental club, volunteer organizations, all that sort of stuff that um, and the time, you know, you might just do it because you feel like it's a box to check or uh, and a thing to mark off on the application or the resume. But um, you know, you start to realize that dental schools have a very, they have an important job. They have to decide who, you know, who are going to fill these spots and and become very important members of society. And so when you're you're going through a lot of that, you know, you're realizing that you need to become the person who uh, who needs to earn one of those spots. So yeah, i you know. Did my thing, uh, you know, spent a summer to to dedicate to the DAT and was very happy with what I got on my my DAT score. And um, you know, as undergrad progressed, I was involved obviously a lot with pre dental clubs and um, a lot of you know just whether it be volunteer opportunities or leadership opportunities. And this has gone way back. I haven't thought about a lot of this stuff in like quite a while. So I'm actually super glad to kind of to go back down this road. Um and no, ultimately. Uh, Good. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, obviously the, the interview track ended up getting into a couple of dental schools and uh, was very happy to, uh, to be able to stay home in, in Minnesota. And uh, that's where ultimately I began my dental school journey at the, the U of M.
1: Very nice. So when you when you're choosing between the schools, I mean, you're very blessed to get into multiple schools, but what set the school you went to apart from like the competitive schools that you got into? Like, what made you choose your school?
3: yeah i think it's a couple of factors um uh, obviously close is you know is is was proximity to home you know i had a couple of opportunities that would have been out of state uh, versus being kind of like you know an hour and a half from safe from home and from being close to you know some family and friends and funny my next part of my journey is going to completely contradict that but um uh, you know that was a big factor in it and obviously i mean you guys know you're in the thick of it that tuition man it's 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 really getting out of control uh, you know at at all dental schools and uh so obviously able to take advantage for me it was being able to take care of take advantage of some in-state tuition was uh, was a big factor for me so those are probably the two two big factors um at the time i would say looking at it again um you know maybe now knowing what i do what i know now and not saying this would have modified things but i do think maybe some schools that don't have necessarily specialty programs i think do perhaps get um provide some opportunities that maybe, you know, some other schools don't just because when you're out of school, a lot of specialty programs, a lot of your cases will go up there and maybe that's, you know, you guys, um, obviously we won't necessarily talk about that we can probably add this part out. Um, but that's a big factor is I think schools that don't have um, specialty programs, maybe the students maybe get a little more opportunity to maybe do some tougher things. So that's probably be one big factor that going in, you're probably not really aware of, but uh, would definitely be a factor to consider.
2: That's great. Yeah, I don't think anybody has ever addressed that issue before, so that's a, that's a great point. So when the students are looking at the different schools, perhaps it might be in their best interest to choose one that does not have a specialty program so that you can eventually do those uh, procedures or, or have the opportunity to do it. So, yeah. yeah,
3: there's two sides to that coin, totally. On the other side of it, you have the opportunity, like, I don't know, I remember in dental school, like, if I had a patient that didn't show, like, I would literally pop into endo and literally sit and watch them do one, or I'd pop into oral surgery and, you know, watch them do a third's case, or go to the prof department and watch them, like, you know, prep So, there's definitely two sides to it. Like, if you take advantage of it, there's a lot you can learn, but there are a lot of instances where it would just be a tough case, and it would just kind of automatically get booted up to the specialty clinic. So, there are two sides to the coin, but that's probably the, the biggest point that I would make is the opportunity for some of the tougher stuff.
2: That's great. I love that. So, um, looking back on your first year of dental school, what was that like?
3: Yeah, I remember kind of coming in and I don't know, you guys probably remember too. It's just you kinda get in, you're in with a whole new group of people and I don't know, maybe at the beginning everyone's kind of sizing each other up and you know, maybe looking to each other as maybe a little bit of competitors, but as time goes on, um, you know, everyone gets to know each other and you do become kind of like a, like a family. I remember the first year of dental school. I do remember, I mean, I'm, I'm open to talk about some challenges. I ended up doing pretty well, you know, when I graduated, but, you know, I got smacked in the face with sea, my you know, in a waxing class that kicked my butt first semester. And yeah, that, I don't know, that took its toll on me, man. I, you know, it's just, I wasn't used to struggling with stuff you know it's pretty much pretty much straight a's through through undergrad but i do remember that and uh that really um like i said it it was a challenge that i needed to overcome and um you know sometimes you know you don't realize it when you're in the middle of it but a challenge that's put forth for you it makes you just have to put in more work and you know step it up so um as petty as that sounds now i i do remember really struggling waxing up teeth and you know now it's really no part of my my daily practice but i do remember that and then as you know second year kind of you know transitioned into that it's you know more and more of the sim clinic and more of you know prepping teeth and going to the tooth lady and getting tons of those to practice crown preps and all that and um and i think that's kind of when i started getting involved a little bit with more organized stuff with you know with asda and going on some trips and things like that I really I really enjoyed that I had an opportunity to go to a couple of you know national leadership conferences and, and the annual session and it was great to be around kind of just other other movers and shakers um, you know in dentistry so I really I do remember that kind of starting in my my second year.
2: Right I mean you're, you're right there's definitely some movers and shakers there's also people who are just kind of laid back and they're like okay you know what? I'm, I'm just going to do dentistry and That's going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to work for somebody one day. And you know, that's, that might be the extent of their career. That's fine. That's totally fine. You know, but I know a lot of our listeners are some of the more motivated individuals. So they're probably more interested in taking the path that you've taken. So going back to when you were struggling with the class, what is something that you kind of told yourself, what was your mindset and then what is an action that you took so that you could overcome that? Did you you know throw more time at it? You you, you study more, practice more. What did you did you get a tutor?
3: Yeah, I think that just showed me that um, my biggest thing was I realized that I wasn't putting in the time that I needed to. So it was it was going in there. It was yeah. I had and I had somebody somebody help me out and tutor me and take a look at some of my stuff and point out with some tips and tricks. And yeah, it just it's, for me it was just it was just reps. It was getting in there. Putting in the time in the, on the weekends when that's the last place you want to be is at dental school working on stuff. But um, you know that's that's what I realized that I was I was lacking was this I just probably wasn't just wasn't earning the the result that um, that I was putting in the effort for. You know it said uh, Justin Short from TLP a lifestyle practice says you know you you can't expect results that you're not willing to put in the work for. And I think that was the biggest case for me um, at that time. And, uh, you know, I just realized that I needed to, like I said, put in more time, put in more reps. And, you know, ultimately, like I said, got my, my, my lone sea of, of dental school. Um, but, you know, it, it was humbling, but, you know, we got past it. We moved on. and Like I said, it's water under the bridge now. But like I said, going down the memory lane, a lot of the stuff that I haven't thought about in a long time, that one, that one brought me back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, now that you're looking back, what would you tell yourself uh, as a d one, look, so you're you're you've got four years ahead of you. What would you tell yourself to do to change for the rest of dental school?
3: Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think ultimately, where I you know how things played out for me as far as grades, as far as involvement that I was involved in you know, clinical experience. I, I honestly don't know if I would have changed a whole lot. I was pretty happy with how a lot of things, a lot of things fared. Um, I think a lot of people, it's it's probably very good and would be a very beneficial exercise to really plan out what somebody wants the future to look like. And I know that's very difficult to someone who's just applying to dental school. Like, I have no idea what things are going to look like, you know, five years after I graduate. But what I mean by that is kind of having an idea of what you want to do, and that's really going to help you set, you know, your, your steps in the right direction. And what I mean by that is for somebody who, you know, wants to be an associate of a group practice, their journey through dental school is going to be very different than someone who wants to say, be an oral surgeon. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a lot of these things that if you know where you're going, it'll put you in the right direction. Or somebody who, even when you get out, you say, okay, well, I want to be a part of a group practice or I want to have a partner or I, you know, those things are all very different than saying like, okay, I knew that a couple years out, like I wanted to put myself in the opportunity to buy a practice and to be a sole practitioner. So I think someone, I think every young, you know, dentist, even potential applicant, and especially young dental should start to think about, you know, where it is that they're going, because that's really going to help them uh, make the right decisions and take the right steps uh, along the way and just really decide what do we want the end game to look like and what are those right steps. For someone who it's, whose ownership might be sooner, it's, you know, being at the top of the class probably isn't, isn't maybe as important as starting to dive into what it takes to, to buy a practice or to run a practice versus, like I said, somebody who maybe early on is dabbling with the idea of a specialty. You know, the grades and involvement better be, better be where they need to be to give themselves that opportunity.
2: Right. That's funny because you you've heard uh, like what George Hariri has said, where he's he focuses on getting the the seventy fives over there. That's crazy. Man. I can't imagine that. That's my saying, Seventy five year dentist.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I heard that and I was actually kind of you know blown away by that to be honest.
2: Yeah. So um, okay, so as you move towards clinic, what were some of the challenges that you uh, that that came upon you um, when you started? getting more involved in the clinical and give me, give me some challenges clinical clinically and then also challenges with communication with your patients.
3: Well, and you guys are probably, you know, being in your third year, kind of in the midst of this, kind of the first time you do anything, you're kind of nervous and you're shaking. And uh, I, I, mean, I remember that. I can remember the first injection I gave. I can remember the first tooth I took out. I remember the first filling I did, you know? Anytime you do something for the first time, um, you know, you're, you're gonna be nervous. I want everyone to know that if they're feeling that, that's, that's normal, you know, that's normal to be nervous for that first endo that you do, and you're like, oh god, I did this on a type of now, now am I gonna be able to do this on a human being, or, uh, you know, I read about this in the textbook, and now it's time to do it. First challenges, I mean, I can remember, I remember the first crown that I did, and it's just, just everything from access to being able to try and work in the mirror, and, You know, and I ended up with probably this not so pretty prep that took us, you know, like four hours to do it, and not a great impression. And it's, you know, everything's a stepping stone. So I want everyone to know that, you know, the first time you're doing something, the next time you're gonna get better at it, and the time after that, and then the tenth time you do it, and then the hundredth time you do it, every time you're gonna make progress, and it's it's gonna greatly improve. But yeah, I would just say a challenge was any of the first things that I that I did, and you know, like I said, you're nervous doing it, but uh, every time you do it, I feel like your confidence level goes up. In terms of uh, communication, um, I mean, honestly, this is something that I'm really diving into right now, because dental school, you won't really learn a ton of, you know, what is the best way to to present things or to talk about things, and, you know, I think by default, we're very technical in nature, and it's it's going over, and it's describing surfaces and procedures, and billing codes, and a lot of that stuff, and a lot of times, the, you know, the student or the, the patient is just kind of wondering, well, what, what does this even even mean? Whereas kind of what I've really started to incorporate of late um, is really kind of try and get to emotion and find out what's important to them. And this is something I think would be great to start in dental school. It's really when you sit down with a patient and say, you know, what's, what's most important to you when it comes to your oral, oral health versus just going right in and saying, yep, you need this, you need that, you need that. And their answer to that is going to really help you dictate towards them because somebody who says, I don't have any back teeth and I just need help chewing versus somebody who comes in and says, I hate how my front teeth look, they are going to get, they have completely different needs. And so I would really start to challenge you, even in dental school, start asking your patients that question. What's most important to you when it comes to your oral health and how can I help you with that? And then just be quiet and listen and listen to what they have to say. And like I said, this has been something I've been working over the past few months. And it's, it's really revolutionary of the responses you get. And then what you can do is basically, you know what treatment that they potentially may need. But it's, it's you use the, those triggers um, to basically fit the two together. You know, if someone says, you know, it's important for them to keep their teeth and they don't want to lose any more teeth. Well, then it's saying, okay, that's perfect. I can totally help you keep your teeth. This is what we need to do to keep your teeth versus just going right to and saying, you need 19 DO, you need 30 crown, yada, yada, yada.
2: Right. That's great. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Um, One of the things that I never would have expected to run into is it almost seems like our treatment planning gets kind of pushed around by what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do in dental school. So exactly what you're saying, like, okay, the patient comes in, I want implants. Well, we can't do implants. I can offer you an RPD, which just, Oh God. But you know, it's so a far second <laughs> it's, choice. It's, it's not not my first thing that I would prefer to do, but um, that, that did you run into something like that where your treatment planning was kind of, um, you know, they dictated, dictated by, by the school. Yeah. Well,
3: totally. And you know, and then it's, or it's you got to send them to the para department and you have to get all the scaling and replaying done. And the para department's booked out for a month and believe me, there are no matter what school you go to, it's, it's, it's it's kind of the nature of the beast. You kind of just have to do the the best that you can with what you're given. I think you can ultimately show your patients that you care about them and you want to help them. And, you know, that's, that's one of the benefits you guys got is just saying, Hey, this is the, this is the nature of the beast. This is what we got. Unfortunately it's going to take a while and it's going to take a lot of appointments. But in dental school, you're kind of limited by the walls that you're in. Um, what I want you guys to know and all listeners is that once you, once you get out, kind of those walls fall away. And sometimes sometimes it's like a wide open pasture, and you got to realize that you're in charge then. And um, that's why I'll talk about my experiences in my AEGD residency I found were super, super helpful. And uh, I would have done that again in a heartbeat.
1: Wow. Would you say it kind of bridged the gap between – like regular four years of dental school and then private practice like ownership or just practicing in general
3: so all you know gprs and aegds are going to be different and they're all going to have their different strong points and their their weak points um i guess for someone who is maybe wondering if that's a next step for them the biggest things i would say is you're going to come out of dental school and you know every you know there's going to be like i said differences between schools but you're going to come out you know confident probably doing you know, obviously you're composite and you're class two composites and you're, you know, probably, you know, single anterior, you know, canal, root canals and, you know, some extractions and things like that. But I really knew is that I was, I wanted to be really a high level practitioner. And by that, I mean, I knew I wanted to be doing implants, restoring implants, locator dentures, you know, eventually wanting to get to like, you know, fixed hybrids and, and things like that, which are, you know, big implant uh, fixed implant dentures. Um, you know, I knew I got things on my list, that include, you know, IV sedation and cosmetic stuff. So I really felt that that was my next best step to help me level up in a lot of areas. I wasn't saying that I wasn't, maybe didn't feel confident or competent in, but I knew that I wanted to know what high level care looks like. That's coming out on the other side of it. I would say that was my biggest takeaway is, you know, having worked one-on-one with an endodontist, you know, every Friday, I know what a good endo looks like and how a good endo is done. And, you know, working with a good prosthodontist and a good periodontist and an oral surgeon, like, you know, when you got somebody there to to help you, to coach you, to teach you, to talk about materials and processes of, you know, why are we doing the implant this way? Or, you know, why are we are using this bone graft material or why are we using this technique to get these thirds out? Um, that really took me to, to a whole nother level. And, um, I'm like I said, I'm really glad that I did it.
2: Awesome. So before we get into the A G D application process, what is one thing that you would tell D three or D four Trent that you need to do before you exit dental school? If you if you could go back, you know, what is one thing that you should have worked on D three or D four year?
3: I think the biggest thing about D three and D four year is you really get out of it, you know, what you put into it. And what do I mean by that? It's you have something scheduled and patient doesn't show up, and then you can either kind of, at least I don't know how it's there. You could either kind of sneak out the back door and really do nothing, or you could, you know, try to find an opportunity to learn something. Like, you know, if it's whether it's hanging out in a specialty department or um, that was probably my biggest takeaway so it's kind of funny how I I do say there's two sides to that coin of the of the specialty programs but anytime I wasn't doing something I was trying to make sure that I was learning something and at the time it may not seem super valuable but you know when you get out and you're you're on your own you don't necessarily have someone to, to bail you out or to help you the more things that you can learn um, are definitely the better and you know some dental schools have like you know, outreach opportunities or, you know, where you're outside the dental school and you, you know, you do various things like that. Like those are, those are huge for just getting more reps of whether it's fillings or extractions. So my, my biggest thing is, you know, I, I know even towards the end of the fourth year, you, you, you know, you start to get tired of the system and all the rules and the red tape uh, that goes with dental school, but it's really, it's really trying to maximize your opportunities to do as much as you can. And obviously I know now with, with COVID and that presents a whole new list of challenges and things that are really outside of most dental students control. But um, I really do think it's, it's, it is very important to try and maximize, you know, your opportunities and try to learn something every day.
2: Right. Okay. So as we go into AGD, a lot of our listeners, you know, they're like, Hey, should I go into AGD? Can you break down the application process for AGD? And then let's talk about your experience.
3: Yeah. So it's, I don't know, in some ways it's kind of almost like starting over the dental school process again, you got to get good letters of rec lined up and it's obviously putting like a, you know, a statement together. So it's very similar to that. And it's kind of almost like a, like I said, kind of a pseudo dental school application again, it's, it's, you know, your grades and you know, where they need to be. That's obviously a factor. It's Obviously, going to be different for say an AEGD or GPR versus you know, like you know, oral surgery or an ortho residency. Um, but I think definitely if that's somebody something's interested, I think grades are at least a, a partial factor. Um, you know, next thing is just they do want to see that you're you know, kind of involved in stuff. It's you know, it's hard when, when dental school does bring a lot more demands than, than undergrad did, but it's you know, you involved in any sort of research team or you know, whether it's admissions committee or volunteer stuff or you you know participating at the volunteer clinic you know those are all sorts of things that that I was involved in I think that did help my uh you know application uh moving forward but yeah I'd say the best thing to look when it comes to that is is looking at like a similar to a dental school application um I know some of them now I don't know the exact status with whether it's the ADAD or the GRE or stuff like that but um you know, some some may require some form of admission test. I'd actually like to hear from you guys, there are a lot of programs requiring ADAT currently,
2: are you aware of that? I'm not sure, because I know some things are changing and also all the uh, tests are changing as well. So I don't know, so some people have to take certain tests, other people have to take different tests. It's, I, the, the, my answer is, I don't know. But so when you were choosing your um, program how do you so that that's like the biggest question everybody has how do you choose a program because how do you know if it's a good one or not you know let's
3: say you're it's no that is that is a very tough question because if you if you if you do if you choose wrongly it's kind of unfortunately like a fifth year dental school and waste of time you choose the right one and it's going to change the and shape the trajectory of your career the biggest thing that i can say is is sending out feelers from from current residents that's really what's going to tell you about what's there you can do you know kind of as much research as as you can um i know david rice with ignite dds kind of puts together at least a little bit of a residency guide that kind of talks about you know gives you at least some of the ins and outs but your best your best information is going to be from either current residents or 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 recent ones so you kind of got to do a little bit of exploring you got to kind of do a little bit of your research. Cause yeah, every one of them is going to say they're going to have a list of procedures that you do, but how many of them are, you know, it might say, Oh, implants. And they're like, Oh yeah. Like two residents, each restored like two, you know, two implants and, you know, re- really no surgical experience. On the other hand, you know, you might have an AEGD or GPR where somebody might face 50 to hundred. So they are, they all, they are all very, very different. And what their, what their patient base is, what their strong suits are. So I would, say, I would say David Rice's guide from Ignite TDS would probably be a, a good place to start. But other than that, it's just kind of – you kind of just got to do a little digging and speaking with programs and then getting in contact with current or recent graduates of those programs.
1: Right. So you would say that uh, some programs tailor towards certain specialties or whatever, more so like they're heavily endo or something like that, depending on the area them reference.
3: No, they are and some of them some of them might just be, you know, all extractions. And where you say you might want to get more, say, advanced prosthodontic work or like i said, restoring restoring and placing implants and whereas like some maybe more the hospital based ones, you're gonna be more like like for instance, I wasn't really looking to go into like oral surgery and a lot of them are basically almost like a stepping ground to go into OS. You're doing with big swellings, you're going to the OR know a lot of stuff wasn't really the right fit for me but that might be a perfect step for someone who's maybe thinking going into oral surgery whereas like you know another program like like mine that was very just just general dentistry and you know based and like i said mine was an advanced education in general dentistry you know there was a lot of endo a lot of you know implants a lot of crown and bridge a lot of just advanced cost cases so um and that goes back to what I said earlier, just knowing really what your vision is, what, what your next steps are that's really going to help you dictate what's the best program for you.
1: Very cool. So so like, let's say I wanted to go into oral surgery, but I didn't have the grades for it. Do people use uh, like an AGD or GPR as a stepping stone before they go directly into an oral surgery residency?
3: Totally. And then there are actually things called internships where basically people will do you know basically a year uh very similar to you know it's like an AEGD or gpr and some of these programs will take them you kind of just you're just kind of getting you know the reps and the experience and kind of something for the for the resume for for helping so yeah there's it's totally you know that's very common if people end up say applying for like both they apply to os and then kind of have you know maybe some uh gprs as uh, so like a backup plan, but yeah, that's always a, that's always a good building step. And sometimes programs want to see that, to be honest, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of surg- or a lot of um, specialty programs will end up having people, whether they worked in private practice or did some sort of AEGD GPR prior
2: to it. Okay. So what was it like when you went to your interview for the residency program? What What's something that uh, applicants should kind of focus on and then, kind of some tips because I know a lot of students say like okay make sure you really become friends with the residents that are there right now all that sort of thing well what, what's your opinion on that
3: yeah I think I think uh, I do agree with that totally I think the other thing you got to look at is a lot of these program directors they're they're kind of got like puzzle pieces and they got to see like they got to put a team together that they're going to want to deal with and you know that they're going to want to see in a day in day out and who's all going to kind of play nicely in the sandbox together. So, you know, I think sometimes like a hard charging gunner type doesn't come off the best at you know, an interview when they know that, you know, look, we're all going to, they know that the whole group of residents is going to be spending a lot of time together and it's, you know, it's they're going to have to help each other and work together and be coachable. Um, So I think it's, it's really, you know, coming prepared meaning reflecting on experiences and being prepared for, you know, for harder questions of everything from, I don't know, how'd you deal with a different difficult case or a difficult patient? What'd you do about it to maybe a disagreement with a colleague? Um, So I think that's maybe the, probably the most overlooked part is that, you know, like I said, they are, they're basically looking at, they're assembling a team and they want to make sure that they obviously want the best and the most qualified, but they also want, personalities that are all going to you know mesh together as well
2: okay so as we're phasing out of um, I guess the educational portion of your career um, what is one thing that you wish that you did looking back as we got about a minute here um, looking back you wish you did during your residency program
3: Honestly, man, I don't really, you know, have a, have a ton of regrets with it. I feel very happy with a lot of the clinical experiences I was able to get, the, the relationships that I built, and it really helped me uh, become the dentist that I am today.
2: Awesome. Love it. So it was, it was that good of a residency program.
1: <laughs> Great. All right, guys, that'll do it for an interview with Dr. Trent Nison, a new private practice owner in Minnesota. Uh, We wish him the best of luck in his uh, future endeavors as a private practice owner. He's been in about two months, and he's doing great already. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed this interview with him. He provided a lot of good insight and information. Uh, We'd love to have him back on, discuss more stuff as a new dentist, just to give us a really good bird's-eye view of what we can expect as we uh, approach his position later on in life. So, As always, follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Um, we hope you guys really enjoyed it. Let us know if there's anyone else that we can have on for you guys. We could try to get them or we try to get somebody that can talk about a topic you guys want to hear. So as always, stay safe and bye, on.